So we were talking uh, in the Discord the other day about like characters' phone wallpapers, like, and what different bookish characters would like have on their phone if they had one. And so I was going to bring this topic because I think it's so interesting, but like I have two like couples in mind that I want to bring because I think that'd be interesting. Please. The first would be uh, Damon and Laurent. Oh, Laurence is a horse. We all know this. <laughs> His like lock screen is a very, very pretty horse because he like knows that it would piss Damon off that it's not Damon. Yes, that's a good <laughs> oh. one. But he has like a secret one that's like a secret album on his photos yeah. that's just August, you know? Yes. I feel like Damon would have a landscape. Oh, yeah. Or like a really badly cropped bro picture of him and Nikandros. Yeah. <laughs> yes! No, it would it would it would be like that fan art that you have on your phone where it's like a picture of his eye. Like a yeah, Laurent's eye. eye. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh that's Laurent, right? And he's just like, no, I swear it's not. No, I just found no, this one not. on Pinterest or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Just popped up one day. Um I feel like we could do Jude and Cardin, but like it's kind of we've you know, we've probably beat the horse to death. Um, but I was thinking earlier, like, what would Bella and Edwards be? Cause like, oh my god, cause like Bella's is gonna be Edward, obviously. And Edwards is like a prayer, like praying hands. Oh my god, yes, with a Bible quote on it. No, it's gonna be some like terrible, terrible art house style picture of Bella, like really close to I don't know, like her her mouth, like that. There's a shot in Twilight in the movie specifically that I'm thinking of where they like zoom in way too close to her mouth. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking <laughs> about. Are we in like peak MySpace days for that book? Uh yes. I think. <laughs> it was like two thousand six, yeah. I think. So yeah, it would have yeah. been like, peak MySpace. I think the first one came out in two thousand eight. I did not read them when I was in MySpace days, thank the good Lord Almighty and the devil <laughs> yes. below. Yes, thank thank the Lord, because yeah. I did. So you can imagine nope. the cringe shit that I posted on my MySpace. My MySpace was cringe enough without oh, it. Man. Thank you very much. <laughs> the dark days. <laughs> we don't talk about those days. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bella's could be like one of those like high up selfie shots of like her and uh-huh. Edward. No, it's a mirror pic. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I had, so we can get rolling. Hi, and welcome to My Podcast Knows What You Read in the Dark, a book club podcast made by chaotic people for chaotic people. I'm Caitlin. I'm Kristen. I'm Lady. And I'm B. And we are four friends here to tell you what's what about the books we read and loved this month, or the books we hated this month. And surprise, surprise, I was late getting on the recording, and I got to jump on and find out I get to go first. <laughs> yes, you do. Also, um, me and Lady were talking before the call started that this is one of the first recordings where I have absolutely no idea what anybody brought, like, or even have a clue of what it could be. So, I'm actually really interested. I said what mine is already. <laughs> you did? I did. But oh, you I said it before I got here, So, and I don't know what anybody's bringing. No, no, I, I wrote it in our personal Discord. Oh, oh, I do not remember. 
That's okay. It's the ADHD brain. It's fine. I'll mm-hmm. say <laughs> the brave of you to think I remembered that. I was going to try and do a hate read this month because, you know, why not? They're fun. But um, I did so many of them last year. I made a promise to myself that I would be better this year and not hate read so many books. My standards were very low. Very Clearly. low. <laughs> last year. Yeah. <laughs> read a lot of mid-tier and mediocre books. So I was going to do a hate read, and I decided to give myself a reprieve of one more month. So maybe next month you will hear <laughs> a hate review Can me. you Can you release another book so we have a Siggy book to talk about? Sorry, no. You can't rush Wait. perfection. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Have we heard from Siggy back yet? No. No. Oh, no. No. I'm worried. She died. Yeah. Siggy might have died. Who knows? It's becoming a little concerning. Yeah, we were on a we were on a every month schedule for a while, and now it's been radio silence since August. But um, while I'm not bringing a Siggy Shade book or a hate read, I'll be honest. This is purely a selfish pick for me because I really, honestly, have no idea if any of you would like this series. But I decided to bring The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells Ooh. to this episode Ooh. because I am annoyed with the casting for the TV show and I really want more people to read this series before their only frame of reference for it is Alexander fucking Skarsgård. Uh. He's not necessarily bad, but Hollywood could have chosen an actual non-binary person to play Murderbot, but here we are. There are seven books in this series. All of them apart from book number five are novellas. Book number five is a full-length novel, but the rest are all novellas. And it takes place far in the future with all kinds of space-age technology and space-age problems that stem from what I can only describe to you as hell capitalism. We're talking of Capitalism started juicing now and did not stop until it looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Conan the Barbarian. Ugh. Jesus, that was that sentence was like a how-to guide on how to alienate anybody under the age of 35. It really <laughs> was. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. We're moving on. Anyways, to put it in perspective, this future, corporations essentially run everything. And when I say everything, I mean like if you're going on a research trip, but your ship malfunctions and you need to be rescued... You better hope you have enough credits to pay for the rescue up front or no one's going to help you. And if you can't pay, you do have the option of selling yourself and generations of your family into indentured servitude to cover the cost as a, you know, backup option. The only good thing about the way that this world is set up is these bond contracts are as good as gold. Because if you've purchased bond from a company saying they're going to keep you safe and then they just take your money and leave you out to dry if something happens, that's a great way for a company to immediately tank their reputation, not make any more money because nobody wants to do deals with them. Like, if you bought a bond from this company, they're gonna fucking honor it. Um, I bring up safety and security because it's actually a really kind of very interesting fundamental piece of the world building for this series. Um, and there's, like, a little bit of truth to it. You can see the logic in it of if you're a mega corporation benefiting off of hell capitalism in future outer space, the only way for you to make more money is to expand, right? Right. 
colonize a new planet, open a mining operation, build a new spaceport, whatever. But space is dangerous and planets are unpredictable. So they could have deadly wildlife or powerful weather events, whatever. It's so much cheaper to make your clients hire security to protect their interests than it is to pay to replace an entire team of people if your expedition, you know, gets attacked by a giant space squid or what the fuck ever. A space squid? <laughs> yeah. That does not happen. I just couldn't think I'm of it. I'm say, is that else. real? Because that's interesting. No. <laughs> um, you can't hire a robot. Or a team of robots, because robots are cheap and strong and practical, but they only know how to do what you program them to do. They can't learn or adapt quickly. They don't have critical thinking skills. You could hire a human security team, but corporations don't like to use them, because even though they're better at critical and abstract thinking than a robot is, they're much more breakable and more expensive. Like, you don't have to pay a robot, but you have to pay a human security consultant. Right. So, what do you... I'm talking to the three of you. You, a giant corporation, luxuriating in hell capitalism, do. My first thought was AI. <laughs> Something unethical. Yeah, obviously. Or... Which is AI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have no morals and you love money. So you invent the SEC unit. S-E-C. SEC. Not sex. I know it's going to be hard in an audio medium. Tragic. <laughs> yeah. But uh, SEC unit is short for security unit. They are a sort of hybrid cross between an augmented human, a robot, and AI intelligence. The series doesn't explain really what they are or how they're made because it's from the point of view of a sec unit and they don't know that information. Um, but it's clear whatever sec units are, it's definitely unethical. <laughs> they're robot enough that corporations don't have to pay them. They're legally property. They can be programmed to serve a specific purpose. They have built-in augmentations for weaponry and data collection. They're strong and almost impossible to kill, but they're fundamentally human or organic in some way. They have critical thinking skills and they can adapt to a given situation. They can be injured and feel pain and have likes and dislikes, even if they're not allowed to express them. Obviously, if you have this dangerous killing machine with better critical thinking skills than yours and a distinct inability to die, you can't just let it run around with free will, right? Right. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> to keep sec units under control, corporations have invented what's called a governor module. And it's basically a piece of hardware that gives orders directly from the corporation and the sec units can't disobey or the module will, will kill them. Like, they can't even get too far away from their clients or the module will kill them. Our lovely little murder bot is a sec unit that found a way to hack its own governor module and turn it off completely. Ooh. Yeah. It no longer has to take commands from the company or fear being killed for any kind of disobedience. I say that with a grain of salt because if the company finds out that they are what is considered a rogue sec unit, they can, even if they can't remotely kill it through the governor module, they could, you know, just bring it back to headquarters and kill it there because they can tell that it's not doing what it's supposed to do. So it still does what it's told for the most part, but the it can complain about it, basically. So in its Hell internal yeah. monologue, yeah, it like will complain about the shit it doesn't want to do because it can do that since it's hacked its module. All of us at work, right? am I right? Honestly. <laughs> literally, though. No, literally. I, exactly that. Um, Murderbot is not, obviously, it is not its corporate given name. By the way, sec units don't have names. They're just referred to as sec unit, but it calls itself Murderbot half as a joke and half to kind of 
cope with their trauma from the fact that supposedly on a previous assignment they went rogue and killed all their clients. Um, which, no spoilers, but I will say it goes and investigates in the second novella that incident and uh, there's something very fishy about it, so. I was gonna say, poor um, baby. Yeah. Um, Murderbot just wants to watch media. It's downloaded from the Intergalactic Database. Um, Me too. Do some, yeah, do most <laughs> of what it's told to do and not get found out as a rogue unit. The first novella, All Systems Red, is your introduction to Murderbot, and it's been contracted for a mission by scientists from what's called a non-corporate political entity, aka a regular-ass government. Uh, normally, these kinds of people would not worry about security bonds and spending money on corporate contracts, but one, this group is working in a corporation territory, and one of the scientists on the team is a political leader for their home planet, so they have to shell out the extra cash to provide security for her, and that's how they have Murderbot on their team. And it's a good thing they do, because almost as soon as the novella starts, they find another research group on the planet has all been killed, and it looks like whoever did it is coming for them next, because they want something that they think this group has. The rest of the series follows Murderbot as they travel around the galaxy trying to learn who it is and what it wants to do now that it isn't bound by a governor module. The Murderbot Diaries is like super entertaining and it's really fast paced and really easy to read because like I said, they're all novellas so you could sit down and devour one in, in a day. It's really fun and, and it's surprisingly easy to relate to a high-tech futuristic organic robot because... It just, you know, it ignores any feelings it might have because feelings make it uncomfortable. Rude. Yeah. Okay, anyways. <laughs> it doesn't like looking people in the eye, so it usually, like, hacks into security cameras and watches the interaction on a camera from, like, a third-person point of view instead of looking people directly in the eye. I feel like <laughs> I have been viciously attacked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> It likes to spend a lot of time downloading new TV shows to watch and meets a very snarky research vessel. It promptly names Asshole Research Transport, though it calls it <laughs> art for short. Um, I really didn't know how to end my notes about about this because I just, I could go on and on and talk about all of the ways that this stupid little series is so relatable and, and so entertaining to read. And also... It's a really good mystery. So even though books books one through four are each their own discrete story, it's kind of a overarching, like, best way I can think of it is to compare it to like a D&D &D campaign. Like you might do a, a small story in one sitting, but you're doing this overall kind of campaign. That oh, there's a meta, there's a meta story behind it. Yeah. I was going to say, I would compare it to like a TV show, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Just like that. You could have an episode that has points a b and c all tied up by the end but d is the overarching plot line carrying you through and that's just the first four four books um those are they deal a lot with Murderbot, like kind of getting found out that they have their governor module hacked but thankfully getting found out by the right people who are not going to tell anybody and like it and how they're kind of dealing with what their life is now i keep saying they and i don't mean to because they go by it um pronouns but they specifically say that, and I've been trying to correct myself. But it trying to figure out, like, what it wants and who it is and how to live in a world where sec units are not allowed to live in the world. Um, 
it's just, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I think if you are somebody who automatically does not like sci-fi just in general, I, you won't be interested in this at all because this, it, there is no dressing it up. This is not like Gideon the Ninth where it's technically sci-fi, but it kind of just feels like something else. This is sci-fi straight up and down all the way. So if you don't like sci-fi, you're not going to enjoy this, but it's just like, I don't know. Like I said, we are all murder bot. Murderbot is us, and we are Murderbot. <laughs> all this, all the stuff that you've told us about this series makes me really want to read it. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. like an audiobook would be nice. Yeah, I think of any of us, you would like it the best, lady. But Ooh. yeah, I, I, the the best way I could think to end my notes is I'm going to read the introduction from the first book from all or from the first novella from All Systems Red. Um. Oh, I did forget to mention, sorry. The entire series, except for number seven, which just came out, is on Kindle Unlimited. So I'm assuming because the seventh one just came out, it's the reason it's not on there. But all of them are available on Kindle Unlimited. Um, okay. I could have become a mass murderer after I hacked my governor module, but then I realized I could access the combined feed of entertainment channels carried on the company satellites. It had been well over 35,000 hours or so since then. Still not much murdering, but probably, I don't know, a little under 35,000 hours of movies, serials, books, plays, and music consumed. As a heartless killing machine, I was a terrible failure. I love it. I think, and I, I love think it. what I think what calls to me the most about this is that they're because, like, I knew it was a long series because I've seen you like marking them as red, like on Storygraph, Goodreads, whatever. And so I thought they were like all kind of long, and like I've made it kind of clear that I'm not the biggest fan of nope. really long series. But knowing that nope. they're novel, they're novellas, like, yeah, I'm like that hooks me because I don't have to like, yeah. you yeah. know, it's not a throne of glass situation, you know. No, because they're novellas, they're pretty fast-paced, too. You're not, like, sitting there dragging through a series, and you're not getting bogged down in in the weeds a little bit. Right. I will tell you, after having read this series and all these novellas, I would read full-length novels. I would read seven full-length novels. Um, I think, like, the things that make the character really endearing are things like they have a particular show that is their favorite and when they get stressed or overwhelmed they'll just like put on random episodes from that show because they are comforting to them and they they need that extra stop level stop it yeah I, yeah this, this whole thing has just been like me being exposed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i know it's just neurodivergent it is it's very neurodivergent they like are the first one as far as they know the first one to figure out how to hack their governor module so that they can and and it's so funny they hack their module so they can watch television it's not for any other reason it's just because they want to be able to watch tv he just wants to watch blorbo from his shows okay or yeah from their shows from, from its their shows, shows. Yeah. yeah it's shows yeah, blorbo from its shows yeah it's gonna do whatever it can do to accomplish In, that goal and i respect yeah it. When it becomes friends, in the second novella, when it becomes friends with um, the asshole research transport art, um, they end up, like, as they're traveling, they start a new show. And there's <laughs> there's this one scene where um, Murderbot says that, that art clearly got very attached to the characters, even if they wouldn't admit it, because they, like, watched this one episode that was so upsetting, they had to, like, stop and take a break, and then they, like, went back and watched it again, and and they had to, like, 
process what was going on in the episode. It's like, I don't know, they're, they're all these giant robots out in space doing, like, robot jobs, but they're just, they are us. They're people. Yeah, so it's, they're just like us. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 like, it gets so upset when one of its favorite character dies that it skips the rest of the episode and refuses to watch it. <laughs> Yeah. Me with Torchwood. <laughs> we all have that one. But yeah, the Murderbot Diaries is great. It's really fun. And the character is both an asshole and incredibly lovable. And I think you all would enjoy it. I really don't think, because I've seen it kind of floating around, I don't think I really ever would have picked it up without you bringing it here to talk about Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. just by the covers and stuff, I was like, this yeah. isn't for me. But, like, well, and even some all- of the. Even some of, like, the promotion or whatever. You know, like, I, yeah, I, meh. But, like, hearing you talk about it, it's like, uh, okay, then yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find this. <laughs> That's why I like her little podcast. Like, I like to know about books that I wouldn't normally pick up. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm honestly, like, I enjoy sci-fi very much, but it's not necessarily something I reach for. And I really don't know what, what kind of possessed me to pick this up. The And I think I picked it up back in, like, October of last year, but I, I really don't know what it was. I just like, I think it had been advertised to me enough on Kindle that I was like, all right, fine, fine, fuck it, I will try it. <laughs> don't you hate when they get you? I do, I really do. It drives me absolutely nuts. I hate when they get me and they're right. When they get me and they're wrong, I'm like, hey, this is why. I'm it's like, I beat this, your system. Yeah, I, I beat your fucking <laughs> algorithm. I'm, this is why I never read your stupid suggestions. But when they get me, and I like it. It makes me so angry. Yeah, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. But um, I I don't remember what it was that kind of possessed me to pick it up. But I, I did. And I do not think that any of the marketing for this book does it any justice whatsoever. Like, I've seen it described as, you know, Murderbot just wants to watch movies and, and do whatever. But, like, they are not talking up the parts of this book that they really should be. And... Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I devoured the first, like, four of them, and then I read the fifth and sixth one when I was on vacation, um, and it's just, I don't know how, there has not been anything that indicates there's going to be more past number seven, and I don't know how I'm going to, to live with that, so. How are you going to cope? I don't know how I'm going to cope with that. I guess by watching... 35,000 hours of media. Who knows? I guess, I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, so that's The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Sounds cool. Kristen, I heard that you also have a book that's not really something you know if any of us is going to like. Yeah, um, I, I don't... I can't think of anyone that might read it, but I, I read it and I was... We want to hear about it. Okay, so... Um, I talked about it a little bit before um, we started recording, but this month I kind of went a little awry. Like I had a book planned. I read it. I even started writing notes, but I like wasn't like the biggest fan of this book, but I was going to break it anyway because I felt like it could prompt some discussion, especially because in a lot of comparisons about it, it was being compared to people that really like Stalking Jack the Ripper, which as we know is one of my favorite series. Um, but then on Sunday night, so two nights ago, I started a new release that I've been pretty excited for, and I completely devoured this book. I, I'm telling you, I finished it in probably like a collective of four hours. I, oh, okay, I think I knew what you're going to talk about. I was hooked immediately. 
And the book that I'm talking about is Bride by Allie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So just by your reactions, I can tell that no one's probably yeah, going to read this. Immediately, I'm like, no. Nah. But <laughs> people say Allie Hazelwood's name and my eyes glaze over. I swear to God. <laughs> I, I know that she's not for everyone. Um, I've, not, <laughs> I've not read a lot of her books. I've only read The Love Hypothesis, um, which Caitlin would never touch with a 10-foot pole. Never. Um, <laughs> never, ever, ever, because she's a massive Raylo hater. Um, I would rather fucking die. <laughs> But, Honestly, um, I'm happy you're bringing Bride because, like, I have no desire to read it, but I do want to know what the hype is about. So, like, please tell me so I don't have I, to go through it. I will gladly tell you. Um, so in Bride, we follow a vampire named Misery, great name, um, who wow. has been living among great humans start. for <laughs> for most of her life. So, and in this world, humans, vampires, and werewolves, or as they're kind of referred to in this book, wares. Um, they live in like separate territories and they're pretty much always at odds with each other. Uh, there've been treaties in place over time, but there's still been like violence and hostility, especially between the wares and the vampires, because of course, like they're mortal enemies, you know, there's always something going on between the two of them. So the book starts out, we're on Misery's wedding day, and she is meeting her groom for the very first time as she walks down the aisle. She's seen a few pictures of him, she's read a few things about him, like, in a file that she got, but for the most part, she knows absolutely nothing about this man. Um, Misery, in an act of, like, mostly good faith, we'll get to that later, has accepted an offer to marry the Alpha of the Wares to form an alliance between the vampires and them. So, like, a marriage of convenience, if you will, which is one of my favorite tropes. Um, this would be, like, an incredibly historic moment for both communities, and they're hoping that it would be a step in the right direction for all of the different species to, like, come together in peace. if you know, they can form this alliance and show that everything is going to be fine. Misery's new husband's name is Low Moreland. He is a soft, sad, kind of pathetic boy who just wants what is best for his pack and he just wants to protect his little sister. While he may be like the quote unquote alpha, he doesn't have like typical traits that you would associate with an alpha. Like, He's not uncomfortably, like, protective and, like, overbearing. He's not, like, super, like, jacked and testosterone-fueled and, like, you know, he just, like, rules over the pack. Like, he makes all decisions. Like, sometimes he makes little silly calls, like, when it comes to Misery's safety that she thinks are a little overdramatic. But, like, otherwise, he's just a normal dude that just happens to shift into a werewolf. Which, That's like, nice. I actually really appreciate I do like that. Yeah, like, I... I because that's one of my biggest problems with, like, this kind of, like, trope with alphas and stuff is that they just, they make them, like, psycho. And, like, he wasn't like that. He was just a regular dude. So yeah. So I really did appreciate They can that. overdo it so quickly with that shit. Yeah. You really can. And, like, I I, I didn't know how I was going to feel about this going in. But, yeah, he, he was a great character. Like, I appreciated her moving away from, like, the, the quote-unquote norms. Misery herself is an incredibly interesting character. I would say that she kind of falls into some of the stereotypical things when it comes to vampires. Like, 
she's a loner. She kind of doesn't have like a lot of emotion when it comes to certain things. She's not really like craving any kind of intimacy. She's just been like living her life and going from day to day. At the beginning of the book, we actually learned that Misery has like a very tense, unlovable relationship with her dad, who's the, the the leader of the vampire territory, which would make Misery an heir. But if you'll recall, at the beginning, I kind of said that Misery spent most of her life living among the humans. And it's because like the humans and the vampires have an alliance treaty that's been going on for years and years and years. And each side will trade a child as like as collateral so like a human child will go live in the vampire territory and then vice versa and then they hope that it will keep both sides from like attacking because if they do that child will end up getting murdered by because they're the collateral um and they're always children of like very important um people in the society so because misery was the daughter of the leader of the territory she is chosen to be given to the human. So she lives her entire um, child until 18, you know, years living in that territory. That kind of sucks. Yeah. It's, and it's really like messed with her psyche because she's felt so unloved her entire life because like, you know, we kind of said it like the, the sides do not get along. So she lived in this community where like everyone was either afraid of her or thought, she was like a murderer, even though she was a literal child. Like she really went through like a very hard childhood and doing and living where she did. Um, Luckily while she lived with the humans, she ends up meeting another girl named Serena and uh, they become pretty quick um, friends. They are almost sisters um, and they live in each other's pocket. Uh, Even once Misery is returned from being the collateral, like when she turns 18, she ends up going back to the human side and so that she can live with Serena and live her life as a human. Because where she's lived with them for so long, like she doesn't even feel like a vampire from time to time. Um, And so she just feels like she would be more at home living with the humans. Um, another thing that I kind of mentioned was that Misery accepted this marriage of convenience in mostly good faith, but her intentions aren't completely truthful. Um, before the events of the book, Serena actually goes missing um, a couple of days before Misery is approached about this marriage. And so in her attempt to find Serena, she's been digging through all of her stuff, like in their apartment, trying to find like some sort of clue of where she could have gone. And in this search, she stumbles upon like a loose leaf of paper that's been stuck in Serena's journal. And it has three words on it, L.E. Moreland. So when her dad says that she needs to marry Lo Moreland, she's like, Lo is the key to finding where Serena is. So, you know, she's convinced that he's had something to do with it. So she decides to marry him so that she can get close to him and find out what's going on. That's really all I really want to talk about with the plot because I don't want to spoil it for in case anybody wants to read it. Probably nobody will, but I'm still not going to spoil it even because if there's a listener, like they might want to read it. I've mentioned the wares or werewolves and there's an element to this book that's either going to intrigue you or it's going to turn you off and that it's that this book is Omegaverse compliant. If you don't know what Omegaverse (laughs) is, I think it started with fan fiction. Yes. Okay, it doesn't always completely revolve around werewolves, I don't think, but I think that's like the most common, but 
Either way, it involves like mates, kind of like with the Fae. Alpha, Omega, Betas, and then the most interesting thing or the thing that garners the most attention is the sex aspect behind this trope. So there's like males go into ruts and uh, women go into heat or, 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 or Omegas go into heat, I should say, and like Alphas have ruts. Um, and then male Alphas like will grow these like knots, <laughs> which is like... The only way I can describe it is like a balloon at like the yes, base yes, yes, of, their, yes, 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 yes. Of, of their dick, like, and then it like, you know, I don't secure know. things into place until yeah, it makes them the lock pregnancy together. happens. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty because I'm not all knowing, and like, this was one of my first experiences with Omegaverse, and like, there are better. Oh my god, how me. did you like it? I mean, it was fine. <laughs> uh, like you know. <laughs> It was fine. Um, but again, like, I'm not all knowing. There's better people on the internet that can teach you about this particular There's better people AF. on this podcast, but I refuse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Caitlin like, knows everything. Uh, she just refuses to touch it. Yeah. Which, and that's fine. Uh, if you, if you want to know more, uh, search it on AO3 and live to your heart's desire. Oh, do not do that. DM Caitlin. No, don't do that. Either. Just DM Caitlin. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just know that this book does go into a lot of these elements, but not all of them. Um, I will say that if you don't know how you feel about Omegaverse, don't let it deter you because it's not like a huge aspect of this story aside from like the topic of mates. But if you've read a book with the Fae in it in the last couple of years, you're Any already- Sarah J. Mass at all. Yeah, yeah. If you've read any of that, you're already familiar with the concept of mates and like, it it come it's the most prominent in this story like they don't even have like omegas and betas it's literally just alphas boo. in this story boo. Um, boo because like i and unless they end up coming up later um which they very well could um because what this is going to be a series i think so it kind of ends oh. in a way like it's going to be more like an anthology like the next book's mm. going to be like another mm. couple it's at least it's set up that way i you know i so it might come up later, but for now it's just alphas. But yeah, so like again, if 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 you're if you heard what we said and you're like, eh, I wouldn't let it bother you. It's it's not a big deal. Um, so pros and cons. So cons of this story, the world building could use some work. It wasn't bad, but I would have loved to have like known a little bit more. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like this story could have done with being a little bit longer. I just felt like there was stuff that could have been fleshed out that wasn't. Some of the naming of things was, like, so cringy. (laughs) Uh, Vampires have, like, a special language that they speak. It's literally just called the tongue. Like, you couldn't have thought of anything better. Um, We're so creative. Yeah, I felt like I was reading Alex Astor book. Um, And then, like, this is just me being kind of picky, but, like, the vampires bleed purple and the werewolves bleed green. Oh, that's so, is that so cringe? Oh, no. Yeah, I was was like, This better not be ending up in New Orleans and, like, that's why it is at Mardi Gras, like, (laughs) the purple, yellow, and green. It's just so weird. Like, I don't know why this choice was made. Yeah, it's like early 2000s. It's uh, very Ebony Darkness Dementia. Yeah. (laughs) Especially with the character being named Misery. Yeah. Well, and, like, even for, like, in my opinion, like, vampires shouldn't bleed at all. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's just kind of a weird aspect to have it. Wait, why do werewolves bleed green? 
I I don't I don't have the answer for you. Because it's cool. And like, and like she even makes the comment like whenever he would like blush, his like cheeks would go kind of kind of greenish. No, that's cute. That's an, that's, what? <laughs> that should be for like an alien, not yeah, not a werewolf. a werewolf. Like I don't know. It was just a very odd choice to make in your paranormal romance book, but whatever. The last thing that was just a little bit strange for me um, was that Misery makes the comment that like when she lives in the human world, like she has to shave down her canines so they're not like as exaggerated as like like a vampire's okay. teeth. But Why? like, don't they know she's she? They know she's a vampire. No, no, no. They don't know. Like she's hiding oh, okay. among them. Um, uh, okay. But like, shouldn't you only have to shave your teeth down once? Yeah. Like teeth don't grow. No. Is she a beaver? Is she part beaver? I I don't know. Like she says that she <laughs> has to rodent. do this. Like she says that she has to do this so often, and it's like your teeth. Oh my god! Don't vampires grow. are rodents. Who would have known? But yeah, I just thought it was weird. I'm like teeth don't grow. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and then this book had a third act breakup. It pissed me off, but like all oh, romance books. that. All romance Jesus. books do now, and it's just so annoying. It's a trope I hate, and I will die on this hill. Stop making your couples break up unnecessarily. Like, it was stupid. Yeah. Um, but I say all that. There was a lot of prose. Like, I love Allie's writing. I think it's funny. It's fast-paced. You're never bored. Um, the, her, she does a really good job building a good romance. Um, the characters always have a lot of chemistry. It, you know, builds authentically. Like, you feel invested in the characters. So I really enjoyed that part. The sexual tension in this book was outstanding when the smut was too. Even if it was something different that I wasn't, like, completely familiar with. I thought it was hot. I thought it was great. I loved every second. Um, I had fun reading this book. I really, I've said it before, I really liked Allie's debut book, The Love Hypothesis. So I kind of knew that I would likely enjoy this one. And I was absolutely not disappointed. I really think that she has room to grow in this genre if she chooses to. Um, and she, you know, she's only going to learn if she stays in this paranormal romance thing. So like, she definitely can improve, get better, grow, you know, you know, uh, explore other species or whatever. And like, I think that she could only improve her work as she goes. And this book, as I said, left an opportunity for another book, which I would absolutely read. And, um, you know, I, I'm very interested to see if she expands on it and makes this an anthology. Cool. Again, like, uh, with this being her first, like, adventure into paranormal romance, I tried not to judge her, too harshly for the things that felt a little weird. I just kind of overlooked it, like, you know, the weird bleeding thing and, like, the teeth. Like, it's whatever. With it being paranormal, like, a lot of bets are off the table. And, like, you kind of have to, um, you know, take it as with a grain of salt sometimes. And she has a lot of free reign to do whatever she pleases. So if, if in this universe teeth grow, I guess that's fine. Yeah, this is her first fantasy novel of any kind. Is she can make some big swings and they not work out and try again the mm -hmm. next time. Right, right. And like that's kind of where I approached this. It was like, you know, this is her first uh time at bat. She could be yeah. like, "Man, that was fucking stupid." And she can do it again. <laughs> she can start over. I mean, like, yeah. The world is her oyster when it comes to this genre. 
And as a reader, a lot of like paranormal romance is you have to meet it where it's at, right? You can't go yeah. into a, an Iceland barbarian and expect it to be like <laughs> the love story of the century, you know? Jesus. Like it is still like a breeding kink alien book. <laughs> it's yeah. not, right. It's not gonna be the book. And that's what this book was. Like, it wasn't gonna be some like amazing story of like two of these communities coming together and and like finding peace it was a book about a vampire and a werewolf that fuck and that are mates like that's what this book is about if you expected anything else i don't know what to tell you like yeah it's just it is what it is i think mostly i wouldn't read it because i already have a preconceived idea of this author and i know that i would be going into it with a negative like like a negative impression of her right and of her writing and i know like it just i wouldn't like it just because of that you have to go into it with an open mind, and I know if I read this book, I would not be going into it not. with an open mind. No, no. Right, right. And that's kind of why, like, because I knew that at least two of three of you had, like, bad ideas of Allie Hazelwood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I-, I will admit, like, I had kind of given up on Allie Hazelwood whenever she mm-hmm. started releasing all these books that were basically the same plot over yeah, and over the and exact over. same book over and over again. Yeah, and I was like, come on, girl, like, give us something else. Feed us something else. But when I saw this book, I was like, okay. Yeah, it's worse than I thought. Whenever I I looked this book up on Goodreads when you started talking about it, I'm looking at it on my iPad right now, I did not realize how many fucking books she had. She has so <laughs> many, and they all look the same. And some of them are novellas, but still, like, come on. But when I saw Bride was coming out, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give this one a shot because it's it's different enough to where I'm not going to feel like I'm reading the love hypothesis again. Um, and it really was a lot different than all of her other books. And like, I very much appreciate her like stepping outside of her comfort zone and like doing something different. Even if some of the stuff flopped, she did something that like a lot of authors maybe won't do like, uh, and try something different. And I think that's yeah. great. I love to see an author branch out into other things. She's mostly known to me and will forever be known to me as a contemporary romance author, but I I love to see a bitch branch out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had another question for this, but I think I just changed my question. I want to know, is there an author that for you guys, you're like, I've never read them, but I know that if I read them, I would be going into it like with a negative mind space and you wouldn't do it because of that? Like for me, the other that the other author that comes to mind is Cassandra Clare. I have never read her oh, books, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and I would probably never. Nope, never, never, like, never. Are there ever other authors like Stephanie this? Stephanie Meyer, just... until you made me read Twilight. <laughs> you have got to move on. I like... will not. <laughs> she will not. I muted the channel on the Discord. I'm still bitter. I haven't deleted my 14 pages of angry notes. <laughs> But yeah, Cassandra Clare, one thousand percent. You could not pay yeah. me to read that bitch's books. No, maybe I'm just a hater, but I have like so many of these authors. I do too. I think I'd have I, a bunch too. I once watched a video of a review of um, Never Night by Jay Kristoff, and now nope, whenever never. I see, oh, yeah, whenever no. I see his name on something, I'm like, nope, nope. Yeah. I'm actually like that Instant with no. um, what's his face? Is it? G or J R R Martin? No, Martin. Yeah, yeah. George R R Martin. George, yeah, G. Yeah, I would never touch his books with a ten foot pole either, ever. Mostly because we know they're not finished. 
Not only yeah. that, but like having people who like rave about him or whatever, and then it's just like someone I saw someone talking about it, like, but the sex scenes are awful. And it was like, well, I'm not reading them then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Another one that like I don't know if you guys know, but like Victoria Aviard, like I guess Oh, that's uh, the Red Queen, right? Yeah, I guess such yeah. like mean yeah. girl vibes from her. Like I <laughs> I would never Literally like, no reason. <laughs> no, it's just like I see videos of her, I'm like, she looks like a bitch, so I'm not gonna read her books. Just uh, just this is just a disclaimer. This has nothing to do with the authors themselves. This has everything to do with us. Like oh, yeah, it's, it's not a it's question of like if bitches. they're good or <laughs> it's not if they're good or bad. It's just a question of vibes. No. Except for Cassandra Clare, because she is a plagiarist. Like Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we we hate Cassandra Clare. Me and the homies hate Cassandra Clare. But um <laughs> this is all us being certified haters. It has no it's no reflection on you or the author of, of these books. It's literally just like I live I live in hate. I steep in it. I thrive on negativity. So <laughs> it's like Ali Azelwood. Like I have nothing against her writing. I've never read it and I never will, because I just I'm just yeah. like eh. Another big one for me is Rainbow Rowell. Yes, oh, okay. I will yes. not. Never. I won't do it. I, I own Carry On. I just never touched it yet. And I'm kind of afraid to. I don't know. Carry On seems like it would be rated E for exactly my shit. And I won't. I will um, not. What if I told you that it's dreary fan fiction? I know. I know. Oh, you do know? Yeah. But still... Even but that's whenever that. I decided it wasn't for me. I was like, that's no. when you decided <laughs> no. I just got so annoyed that her her book, her first book, was about a girl who wrote fan fiction for this this made up book series, and, and then, then she, she was wrote like, it. I should write that made up book series. Like, fuck you, no. <laughs> who do you I think mean, you are? <laughs> I respect it. Ugh. Ugh. I just think it's cringy and annoying, but. Whatever. She wrote a book and I didn't, so. Yeah. That's true. Lucy Score is another one for me. I know that Lucy Score has made it to this podcast before, but I hate her book covers and looking at them <laughs> makes me want to scream, so I won't. That's, I was, when I brought the Lucy Score, like, I looked at the book cover and I was like, um. Yeah. I hate oh, it. I have another one. Penelope Douglas. Fuck that. Never. <laughs> never, 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 never. Or, or uh, Colleen Hoover. How has she not been mentioned Oh my yet? gosh. Well, oh, just because yeah. we know. Like, we know. <laughs> from my mind. <laughs> but yeah, ever since I learned about what Credence is about, I wouldn't touch Penelope Douglas's book no. with someone else's. No. Oh, is that the bowl. author of the... Uh, you said the name and I was like, I don't know who that is. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she wrote Credence. This is the hater episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> we we've had, had those of before. I yeah. know. <laughs> We love negativity here. <laughs> We're always, always training for the Hater Olympics on this podcast. Hell yeah. And we're going for the gold, baby. <laughs> the last one that I will say is Stephen King. Don't care. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've read one chapter of his nonfiction on writing because I have a colleague who really dearly likes him. And brought him forward for us to try and use to talk to students about in terms of, like, how to write certain ways. So I've read, like, one chapter of not fiction. <laughs> he and I are not on speaking terms. But yeah, all, all of this hating to say that I didn't hate Bride. And if you want to adventure into this, I would recommend it. It was quirky, fun, sexy. I had the best time reading it. Five out of five stars. The vibes... Or immaculate. 
And if you think you're gonna like a murdering autistic robot, then read the Murderbot Diaries. Yeah, exactly. Our our two stories could not have been more different, but I <laughs> I know that. <laughs> if you want to dip your toe into the Omegaverse, read Bride, and if you want to read about an autistic robot, read the Murderbot Diaries. What exactly. more could you want from this podcast episode? Exactly. That's what we're here to do, to serve. Yeah. Well, thanks, Kristen, for broadening our horizons and bringing Thank out Hazelwood. Yeah, you're welcome. I These are two kind of out out there novels for for both of us and not necessarily yours in content but like the omegaverse aspect i think is a little bit of a different swing for you than normal oh yeah yeah me i read a lot of sci-fi but i like i said i don't necessarily reach for it so we were kind of we kind of went a little bit out of our comfort zone this time around we did what Allie did and we stepped outside of our boxes Hmm. yeah let's go and now we're gonna step out of this episode goodbye to you all we love you Thank you for listening. Ignore us being haters for the last like three minutes or so. <laughs> or don't. If you're here, or you don't, whatever. Sip the haterade. Yeah. <laughs> you can find us at Red in the Dark Pod on Instagram and Tumblr. Our email is redinthedarkpod at gmail.com if you want to ask a question about any of the books we discussed on this episode. We also have a book club. You can find us at Worn Page Library on Instagram and Tumblr, which will have details on how to join our Discord. You can also find our annual reading challenges by searching Worn Page Library's Baker's Dozen or Worn Page Library's Book of the Month in the Challenges section of Storygraph. Our next episode will be out on March 5th. Caitlin's series from this episode was The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Kristen's book was Bride by Allie Hazelwood. We also mentioned The Captive Prince series by C.S. Picot. We don't even need to list that one anymore. I think you guys know that for... Yeah, every episode. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even write the cruel prince because we mentioned yeah, Jordan once. Because we mentioned it. Yeah, you guys just you know what we're about here. Stalking Jack the Ripper by Carrie Maniscalco, The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood, Ice Planet Barbarians by Ruby Dixon, and Nevernight by Jay Kristoff. Keep reading, and we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.